Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of your favorite podcast. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. It lingers the pain so much. It but burns it's the great. lips. It, it sours the ears. It does something. It, tingle, it tingles the mind. Yeah. I am one of your hosts, Game Agent E.T., and this here is the other co-host, the Six Button Samurai. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all right, good sir. How are you? Oh, things are getting a little exciting here in Osaka. Um, uh, first of all, there's been a lot of events and new openings. Uh, for example, there's a new Nintendo store in Osaka, and uh, I really want to go, but it's a little far, and there's that sort of system where you have to wait in line to get a ticket just to get into the store. And it's usually out of tickets by 11 in the morning every day. So I can't really go yet. I'm thinking about going sometime next week. But uh, in... Another opening, a uh, grand opening was uh, there's a new Capcom store. Uh, it's in the Umeda section of Osaka. Uh, we already have a, a Capcom store in the Shinsaibashi area, which is about maybe about 10 minutes away by train from Umeda. Is yeah, having a headquartered sec- there? Yep. Right. Yeah. So that's why. Osaka's getting a lot of love, and especially uh, this week, they just opened the Street Fighter. Uh, is it? Well, I, I'm sure it's 35, 35th anniversary. I, I the original is 35 this is years the art old. Show, right? Yes, there is an art nice. exhibition in Shinsaibashi. I went there on the first day. It was glorious. Yeah, I saw some of your stuff on social. It looked really, really cool. Yeah, uh, posted stuff on Twitter Twitter and Instagram, and it's, <laughs> it's so beautiful, man. Did you say Twitter? Twitter? <laughs> I like Sorry. it because essentially, I mean, it is winter on Twitter <laughs> right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe more like a nuclear winter because of uh, Elon Musk. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about today. It's probably too much to talk about, but we'll we'll try to see if we can get through all of this in one hour. But yeah, um, what should you we talk about right you, now? Oh, well, I was just gonna say you mentioned that you also got in some really good matches at the oh. little playable arcade near the yes. Street Fighter exhibit. So talk about okay. that. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, yeah, of course, there's beautiful artwork. So a lot of uh, explanations about the history of Street Fighter has like uh, design docs, things like that. And near the end of the gallery, there's like a free play area where they have the beta of Street Fighter Six, and they also Ooh. have um, some cabinets, the the usual sit down cabinets that you would see at a game center in Japan. And they mm-hmm. had games on free play like Final Fight and Super Turbo. So 
I was there kind of in the afternoon because I took some time off of work. I didn't have any classes in the afternoon, so I got there at a time where there wasn't too many people. Mm -hmm. And there was an attendant there, and I was saying, hey, uh, can I just play around just just for fun? He's like, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, you want me to join you? I was like, sure. And then he sits down. Like, I saw him play a little bit earlier. He was beating up on someone before, so he was, was pretty he good. He was using Ryu. Okay. And then I was playing him, and I used Kami. Which is, she's like one of the hardest characters to play in Super Turbo. And I was trying to get used to playing her again. So I think uh, he, well, he definitely won the first match. But then mm -hmm. the second match, I gave him a pretty good match. I, I gave him a close match and he, uh, he still won. And he's like, okay, one more. He, he's like looking back over his shoulder. Nobody was there. He's like, okay, let, let's play one more. You know, kind nice. of humoring me, right? Mm -hmm. And then I beat him three straight. And then he kept looking back after every loss. And he's like, yeah, let's play one more. <laughs> we, ended <up> playing, <laughs> we ended up playing 12, 12, round, uh, 12 matches. <laughs> nice. And we had so well, much cool. fun. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he, 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 he woke up the beast. Yeah. <laughs> I think I ended up a little bit ahead. I think I won one more match than he did. But yeah, nice. it was so much fun. And it was just nice to play another person in Super Turbo post-COVID. Because yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because there's a Taito station near my apartment that has Super Turbo. And mm -hmm. uh, there was like a special every month where once a month it was on free play and there would be all kinds of old school guys that would come and they would line up just to play on the machine and there'd be like 10 to 12 people and I would join them and those guys were so good I couldn't even win a round <laughs> that's wow. how good they were I mean that's that's Japan for you You'll yeah. you'll find guys who are just fanatic about certain games, especially old fighting games. Right. And legends live there. And even these er, you know, these local legends, you probably never heard of them. They probably never entered in a tournament, yet they would mop the floor with almost anyone. That's how it how it is. And right. I love it. It's it's tough sledding, but you learn a lot if you play. Well, in I Japan. know. I mean, it's been a while now since I've sat down and had that sort of competitive, like, ongoing session in a fighting game like that. But I know the last time, um, the last time it happened to me, I actually went up to a, it was a coin-op sort of convention thing that was up in, oh, it was called ZapCon, which is up in Phoenix. And there was a super turbo cabinet there and there was a guy who um, he was a little bit on the cheap side because he was just uh, trying to do the, um, you know, Buffalo hop traps crossover uh, low punches with Balrog thing, which, you know, uh, yeah, Balrog's, Balrog's a monster in ST, of course. And yeah, um, definitely. 
But I was managing to sort of break up his patterns and frustrate him because I don't think he, he struck me as somebody that probably hadn't been challenged in a while. You know what I mean? Like whoever is like nearby that he has to play, he probably just destroys them. So they don't really bother to like put up more of a fight. So were you playing, were you playing Honda? I, I switched it up between uh, the Hams and uh, Chun-Li. Oh, because Honda would kill Bal- uh, Balrog because of his splash. If you cross him up all the time, it's hard for him to charge. Yeah. I would I mean, imagine it, that you did that to him. A better, it's definitely a more favorable match um, against that particular character, for sure. But um, yeah, no, man. I mean, I still like... There's a genuine joy I find when, like, you play a game that old, but then you stumble upon somebody that uses a character in a way that you've never seen before. Like, to me, that just kind of shows the mind-blowing depth that a lot of those older fighters have, where, like, somebody's played it enough that, like, they figured out an entirely different style. Because, you know... Uh, ranking charts and YouTube being what they are, like a lot of people tend to sort of clone the same kinds of conceits with different characters over and over again. But like, yep. there's, yeah, <laughs> but there was a, um, there was a player here in Tucson, a guy by the name of Chris Parker or Chris Powell that, yeah. um, he is a very notable uh, Blanca user in ST, not the least part because he kind of looks like Blanca. Like he's this big dude with this very frizzle, frizzy head of like metal hair. Um, he's a very he's cool un- dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's he- an unbelievably kind guy, but like his Blanca just like blew my head open because I'd never seen anybody use him. And all this sort of strange, like, ST-specific moves that Blanca has, like, with the very strange sort of ground hop, this, that, and the other. But, like, this dude knows exactly what of those moves to use and how to remain, like, really, really mobile and absolutely control space and lock you down. So, um it's yeah, just it's, awesome whenever you see something like that that sort of pokes your uh you know your own personal database of how that game's supposed to be played. It is great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's like uh a painter who uses the same tools as another artist but uses mm-hmm. it in a completely different way that's very yeah. expressive but still beautiful. Mhm. I do love that. Um by the way, I think his nickname on, like, if he plays online, is Frodo, right? Or Fromo? Is it Frodo I, or, or Fromo? Fromo? I don't remember. I think it's Fromo. Okay. But he used to stream on Twitch a lot, and I used to watch him play, and he would play with Cigar Bob, who is yeah. another, uh, another long-time old-school yeah. Street Fighter head. Um, yeah, I... I would watch all the time. He would do brilliant stuff. And Blanca's not known to be a very strong character in Super Turbo yet. And he has a whole lot of mismatches yet. Uh, Chris would definitely mop up people with his unique style. Even 
top players. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get to watch him, I don't know if he streams anymore. I, I wish he did stream more often. It would show no, up on my feed is, if he did. That guy's whole sense of like managing the screen and understanding the spacing is just like it's a it's a thing to behold, man, because I had never seen anybody play block and ST that way. So Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's just another feather in the cap of that particular beloved um iteration of street fighter for sure yeah most definitely and street fighter being 35 years old um so many good memories um and i know that you had a a special podcast i mentioned it before uh with your older podcast here on ruminations radio network uh ruminations of a six button samurai you did uh kind of like a retrospective of Street Fighter 2's 30th anniversary and that mm-hmm. was with uh with uh, Optimus and a few other mm-hmm. people here on Ruminations Radio Network and yep I loved uh, listening to that this was before oh god it hurts was around mm-hmm. and before I even did anything podcast like mm-hmm. and yeah um if for our audience if you haven't heard it uh Ruminations of a Six Button Samurai. You can check it out on the RuminationsRadioNetwork.com website. It's under archive. If you click on that top right icon with the lines, uh, you'll find uh, James's old podcast. And definitely check out that particular episode. Check them all out. It's an awesome, awesome uh, show. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to do something with it again. I know that kind of took a break from it but yeah yeah well i mean in lieu of that you know i enjoy what we're doing here for the time being and another giant anniversary of note that was actually celebrated in the form of a massive archive is the atari 50 collection yeah um, which is done by the folks at digital eclipse Digital Eclipse. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, because I watch Digital Foundry so often, my brain was going, <laughs> Digital Foundry. And I'm like, no, oh. that's not it. <laughs> so thank you yeah. for uh, unearthing that for me. Um, oh, no problem. They also did uh, they, they did the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection as well. They, they did. And yeah, like they're great. No, it's got a few issues, but, you know. Gameplay-wise, it's not as solid, but the stuff they have in that collection, uh, along with other things that they have done, I I don't know. Did they do the TMNT release? I thought they did. Um, That I'm not sure of. Yeah, Yeah. I'd have to check on that. But from recent memory, a lot of their compilations, their collections that mm-hmm. celebrate anniversaries or yeah. franchises, they're really good at displaying like uh, how much history goes into these games and yeah. the 50th uh, anniversary Atari collection is no different. I mean, a lot of people are saying it's just like a, it's like a interactive exhibit or coffee table book and yeah. definitely you should get form. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And no, I want to get it so bad. To, yeah. I want to get my hands on it. Um, I was also particularly excited because I know it's got like 104 titles on it. Yeah. Um, not the least of which is a game that I haven't seen in the flesh for a really long time. Like, which we one is that? In the early 1980s at um, golf and stuff here in Tucson. Mm-hmm. They did actually have an iRobot machine. Are you serious? Which, yes. I've never which, even seen that before. It, yeah. I mean, it's a super, super early polygon game. And it's got this really kind of bizarre, primitive look. And it's sort of a, it's almost like a proto, like, it's not actually on rails, but because of the way you sort of progress forward in a 3d way into the levels, it almost kind of feels that way. And like, uh, I wouldn't even try to describe it right now because it's, it's really like kind of out there, but you know, that's a game that I haven't seen in a hell of a long time. And wow. You know, like I did, it's funny because like, I really consider like the birth of myself as like a gamer or somebody who really worships games. I would definitely place more with like the NES or stuff in the arcades, but you know, I had an Atari 2600 and there were games that I did enjoy on that, even though like, one of the first things I realized, I was just like, man, these Atari 2600 games look like crap compared to the arcade. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> and did. That, and that's just, you know, I was very cognizant of like how different these things look. And of course, you know, Pac-Man didn't help. Yeah. It was a complete um, difference. like night and day, like uh, playing just, Donkey you know, Kong. On the 2600, <laughs> it looked terrible. Pac-Man, yeah. don't even get me started on Pac-Man. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's that's also another reason why, like, the Famicom <laughs> hit, like, an absolute bomb in Japan is because suddenly, like, in 1983, you had this machine that was capable of playing what was, you know, I know it's missing a level, but, I mean, in terms of visual appeal, Donkey Kong looks very close to the arcade. And then... There were good ports of Pac-Man. There were good ports of Galaga. So, you know, uh, it's interesting how um, uh, just how much cross-pollination there was between, like, those things in my head as a kid. And um, so, yeah, those are that's an entire set of games that I would really, really love to revisit. Um, I haven't looked at the game list yet, but I really hope Paperboy's on there because... Um, I always need to play more it, Paperboy. Unfortunately, it's not. And I'll it's explain not. why. Because yeah. that was a part of Atari Games, which is mm. a separate division. That was their right. arcade division that they kind of branched off. Uh, I forgot exactly what year. I was researching yeah. this because of... I was wondering... Uh, I'm a fan of New Wave Toys, New Wave Toys, which is... a. Uh, a uh, company that makes a small scale replica uh, arcade cabinets. And right. they have done some amazing Atari cabinets in the past, like uh, Missile Command is their latest one. They have Centipede and Tempest. 
And I was wondering, <laughs> where's Marble Madness? Uh, where's this old Atari game? Right. And then I looked it up, and I found out, oh, they're under the same umbrella as Williams and Midway. And right. I think those three kind of coexist together now with uh, Warner Games, part of mm. the Warner Brothers company, which mm-hmm. now they're in kind of a bit of a sale type of situation. I, I don't know if they've gotten, if they've been sold yet or not, but yeah, the, I would imagine WB Games is kind of in limbo. And if they're in limbo, then those titles are in limbo. So that's why yeah, things that's like Paperboy and Marvel Madness, you wouldn't see in the same Atari collection that we're just talking about. That would be something that would have to be a different license, even though it's under the Atari label. Uh, mm-hmm. The Atari, you'll see the Atari mark uh, on the cabinet, things like that. But no, the the rights are with a different company. Oh yeah, man! But yeah, I, I would love to play Paperboy. I would love to right. play. You know, with some of these games that are on the list, like Tempest mm-hmm. and Centipede. Yeah, it's kind of hard to play even with modern controls because back then, Atari had really innovative ways to play games. Yep, and I don't know if they were the first to introduce the trackball, were they? Mm-hmm. They definitely had a few games that. <laughs> well, you used had Centipede, it. you had Missile Command, mm-hmm. um, Tempest had the weighted spinner titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. What and then Paperboy has the handlebar controller. Right. There you go. Right. Paperboy has the handlebar controller and then a bunch of their games like Star Wars, Road Blasters, and a bunch of others use that sort of flight yoke. Yep. It and was like se- not mm. quite a flight yoke, not quite a steering wheel, but like in terms of having like multiple axes of control and like a nice level of um, sensitivity, like, yeah, uh, they did a lot of really cool things with arcade games that unfortunately, like they weren't terribly replicable at home. Exactly. Um, Yeah. That's why, even though uh, some of those games are on that collection that we just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, it's hard to play some of those games, especially Tempest without a spinner and centipede without a trackball. And I keep pounding the table. I keep saying somebody has got to make joy cons, especially for switch that are so interchangeable. You could easily make a joy con that has like a spinner on one and a trackball on the other. That would be so good, but it would be, but at the same time, like it's a risk. Well, I mean, it's a risk, and I mean, potentially, like, you know, unfortunately, like, just how big is the audience for that yep. anymore that's actually going to merit that much, like, R&D going into something? Like, I wish it that were is more, true. but, yeah. you know, there are, there are some other solutions out there. There are some other people that make, like, spinner controllers that are accessible via USB. Um, yep. There's trackballs out there as well that some people manage to use with, like, the centipede core on mister so definitely if you're really dedicated and you really want to chase that experience you can do it but it just it's going to take you like 
a little more homework than it would just buying a new Joy-Con off the shelf, unfortunately. Yeah, but we always can hope that Hori will pull, you know, pull through. And they kind of tease that they're developing some sort of gamer, like a retro gamer controller that has a trackball, that has... I don't know if they have a spinner, but they have those twisty sticks that uh, old SNK games like Akari Warriors used to have. I know, that would be hot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they even had a poll saying like, oh, what kind of style would you like? And then they showed like some pictures and then people got to vote. And then right. that was like half a year, a year ago, and then nothing happened ever since. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they do pull through and well, bring us something I mean- that we can use. That could also yeah. be like that could be yet another supply chain issue as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I, I think they not a had good time. actually discussed that or floated that image around prior to the pandemic, and then mm. you know they went quiet on the subject. So that may have something to do with it. Um, should we stop and give our network some props? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, uh, our show, God It Hurts, is a part of Ruminations Radio Network, a great network that has a variety of podcasts and podcasters. You'll find a lot of great stuff here. And here is one of those hosts from those podcasts. If you're interested, please do visit the website at ruminationsradionetwork.com to check them out. We'll be right back. You know what they all say. Fantasy football is like a box of chocolates. And I know you. You love fantasy football. And you love chocolates. Well, 25 Yards Later is a fantasy football podcast with top-notch analysis, earworm music, and plenty of laughs. Each week we dive deep into four games, putting every fantasy-relevant and occasionally fantasy-irrelevant player under a microscope. Block out all the haters with 25 Yards Later, available wherever you get your podcasts, but maybe not where you get your chocolates. Okay, we're back. Woo-wee. So back. Wow. Yes. I got um, you back. <laughs> Way back. Yeah. So, as far as, like, recent obsessions go, um, mm-hmm. and I know I've talked about this before, but... It's an honest reflection of what I continue to play. What is- I, <laughs> I can keep, guess. I can guess. <laughs> yeah. I keep playing. Does it start with an M? Pac- no. Uh, I oh. keep playing the Pac Man Championship Edition D-Make oh. for, Fam- for Famicom. Right, 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 right. Uh, um, and uh, like, this is a little bit ridiculous too, because like in my separate little office room at which I'm recording right now, Mm-hmm. This is where I have the mister set up. So I have that set up and connected to a CRT. And that is, of course, a delightful way to play a variety of retro things. Um, yeah, I, I knew you were going to talk about mister, but I right. it's kind of related. Well, it's, it's more, <laughs> right. But it's not just that, though, because, you know, I also purchased um, that Namco Archives collection on which that game primarily resides. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can also play it out in the living room if I want to. And, um, I've been trying to compare like on which version do I do better with, um, 
Yeah. And so I played it with a variety of switch controllers. I don't love any of those solutions. Although oddly enough, I actually uh, think the analog stick is a little bit better than most because of like the way Pac-Man CE in particular has that sort of friction between the walls. Oh, hugging the walls. So like before you hit the corner of a turn, you're yeah. already pressing like uh, on that direction. So you'll see like those sparks Yeah, and that'll help you corner faster. It's a technique that they added in championship edition. It, yeah. It's a really cool, it's a really cool thing to have. And it's also in Pac-Man 99, I believe. Mm-hmm. So like, it was funny because I started playing it that way instead Mm-hmm. And I was actually doing better for a while. And then I went back and I started playing on the Mr. Again with just a uh, super Famicom controller directly hooked up. Um, yeah. You know, this little USB adapter. And now yeah. I, I've gotten considerably better playing it that way. So it's really See, that strange. That would be the perfect way. Yeah. A super Nintendo controller or even an NES controller. Yeah. Because those nice, D-pads were great. Yep. But um, they, they remain the standard, you know, and I, 8-Bit, 8-Bit Doe has done a really good job of cloning those, like, better than anybody else to this point. Um, mm. So, like, if you want, like, the SN30 Pro or any of the variants of that controller, like, that's also a pretty great solution. Um, yeah. See, because um, I'm having problems. Uh, I play on Switch. I, I do mm-hmm. have the D make of Championship Edition the pa- uh, for Pac Man. And uh, what I have issues with, and this is a long standing issue that anyone with a Switch Pro controller, uh, they have seen this where if you do left or right on the D pad, sometimes mm-hmm. it registers up or down because yeah. there's some sort of thing that is going on with the d-pad the contacts where it's a little too sensitive Mm -hmm. so it's very common i would say it happens once every eight to ten times where if you're playing a game like pac-man which is very dependent on movement uh especially when the game goes fast you want to go a certain direction but because of the sensitivity you'll accidentally go up or down instead Mm -hmm. of straight or whatever and that frustrates me to no end. And right. Nintendo, which I swear, like we just said, the NES <laughs> and Super NES, those were great controllers. Mm-hmm. And back then, the hardware that Nintendo made were built like tanks. They were built yeah. so good. They were built to last. But then you have the Switch, which has Joy-Con drift issues and the Pro Controller uh, D-pad issues. It's just what what happened here. I mean, yeah. the system itself is not too bad. I mean, uh, yeah. I think uh, in the very early Switch models, you had overheating issues, but mm-hmm. nowadays that's a thing of the the past. But they never fixed the Joy-Con issue. They never fixed the D-pad issue. Right, and it's so frustrating. I mean, for a guy like me who loves Pac-Man. I I don't want to have to 
performed surgery on my pro controller just to get it right. And there are ways to get it right, but you have to kind of risk voiding your warranty and opening up yourself to fix it when Nintendo right. sh- themselves should fix it. Yeah. But I don't no, know. What's your I mean, take on that? I I mean, it's definitely a very real thing. Um, and it's a bummer. Um, but I also think it's interesting that like, we've been talking about like trackballs and spinners and like yep. emulating these really wonderful old ways that, you know, very specific arcade titles were crafted in mind with. However, there's probably some absolutely crazy section eight Pac-Man person out there right now that is <laughs> likely screaming at us because neither of us have brought up the idea of just hooking up a, four-way leaf mechanism joystick (laughs) via USB, which if you really wanted to get like, you know, arcade authentic about it, that, mm-hmm. that's what I suppose you would reach for to play a game of Pac-Man. But I, I don't know if I, I would get a leaf. I, I don't know if I would get a leaf one, but uh yeah. four-way gate is very obtainable, but you'd need right. to get like a arcade controller. And usually those arcade controllers are very easy to mod and you can get mm-hmm. a square gate. Um, right. So yeah, eventually I would love to do that. But right now, I don't have access to an arcade controller for Switch, so I cannot yeah. do that. And if you think about it, it's like I have a pro controller, and this is all I have. And right. I have the choice between performing surgery and hoping that it doesn't break or buying a brand new arcade controller for like, what, 150 US dollars? And. Mm. I think the cheaper alternative, if you got the, if you got eight bit dose stick, Mm -hmm. that could probably be one that you could also fit with like, yeah, maybe a four way Hmm. stick or a square Hmm. gate or something that would make it perform more like that one with its, you know, rigid directions. But I'd be interested though, because I would wonder if that four way stick would actually work right with pac-man champ and specifically like because of like the corners friction thing you know what i mean oh definitely it because feels like that that game was actually built for an eight-way stick so. uh well when i played on the xbox 360 i was playing on uh arcade in a box stick that had a square gate uh, if you don't know arcade in a box uh, that was a tucson original company by our good friend ed <laughs> mm-hmm. shout outs to ed um but yeah, I played on the square gate. Yeah. And it worked great. Mm-hmm. I was able to get really high scores and I was so proud that I was like in the top 100 at the time for right. when I played. And yeah, it's been too long since I played <laughs> that game. So yeah. your score your score is going down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a friendly rivalry on social media. On Instagram yeah. and maybe Twitter, if it still exists by the time this yeah. uh, recording goes on the air, <laughs> it might not. <laughs> I know because Elon Musk he's got to ruin stuff that we like. Sucks. Yeah, I'm gonna miss Twitter if it goes away, man. Because I mean, yeah, it's a cesspool sometimes, but it was the best way to get gaming news. Um, right. 
and the best way to meet new artists, video game mm-hmm. fan artists, things like that. Totally. Stupid Elon Musk. You suck. <laughs> you stink. <laughs> you stink. stink. So, um, <laughs> speaking of jail. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How did Elon Musk in jail? Well, I wish Elon Musk was in jail, but I'm yes. I'm just saying, you know, he's in a he's in a prison of his own making now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a well, boardroom at Twitter. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> but yes, go on. So, very very strange piece of news recently in that um famed Sonic team lead programmer, Sonic designer, you know, legendary Sega talent, Yuji Naka, um, apparently was arrested for is it industrial espionage. It's more like uh, insider trading. Insider trading. That's right. Yeah. Because, A little more genteel. Yep. Because he, he apparently is- leaked something about the next dragon quest or something of that effect. What happened was there was a company that was going to bring out a dragon quest mobile game. Mm -hmm. And he knew about this along with other square Enix employees. Yeah. And Oh, so did he try and buy, buy some stock? Yep. Uh, And that's why he got arrested along with another employee or two. And mm -hmm. I don't know. If Japan, when someone's arrested, does that mean they are in jail or is it just a little title that they have? Oh, you're arrested, but you can stay at home. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I actually different. think in, by some measures, like the Japanese justice system may be even stricter yet. Yeah. So by that definition, just given the cacophony of stories out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might he might be in the pokey right now, which, yeah, I mean yeah. it's kind of shocking because not too many people in the video game world actually ends up in prison, but there yeah. he is, and he's probably one of the most notable figures. I know that mm-hmm. we talked about him in a past episode, and eh, I mean, once you find out what kind of person he really is, how he treats co-workers things like that you're and yeah the whole thing with the square enix balan wonderland fiasco yeah you're like eh, kind of soured on me yeah yeah uh, you know he 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 became kind of a figure of worship you know you could say through like the 90s and the early 2000s and then yeah you know, there seems to be more sort of coming out that, like, you know, he was kind of a terrible person to work with and would, yeah. you know, scream at people and demand a lot. I mean, uh, you and I have had this conversation before where we talk about, like, you know, the privileged auteur, the film director, the person, like, with a vision in their head. And it, seems to me like it's definitely not just like a Hollywood or game industry thing, but like some people seem to develop like more latitude for themselves. If they're seen as like some sort of visionary, Oh, this actually connects directly to the Elon Musk thing. Or somebody <laughs> seen yeah. as like, you know, 
oh, this person, they're gifted and they've got this incredible thing and they've, they're really driven and you've just got to suck it up mortal and do whatever it is they need. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's always the best path for that sort of thing. I mean, there are those that definitely know exactly what they want and it might take a lot of time and effort and labor to get there. But I tend to think that the better ones are the ones that have more of an organic way of having others around them sort of step it up and meet them where they are. And it becomes more of a kind of engaging and collaborative thing rather than, you know, one guy at the back of the sled, just cracking the whip. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, (laughs) there are, there have been kind of figureheads or should I say just like, not a poster boy, but uh, what do you call those guys that they take all the credit, but <laughs> assholes? But, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. The, what the, sort of specific uh, thing you were reaching for? Uh, Inafune. <laughs> KG oh, Inafune. Right, right, right. The right, guy right. who is credited as the father of Mega Man, even though he probably wasn't. <laughs> he right. definitely took a lot of credit for it. Yeah, he yeah. went through a similar thing and also had a fall from grace uh right which was called mighty number nine yes <laughs> mighty number two is more like it <laughs> but yes i digress i digress all that lost money i did on that kickstarter i voted with a lot of other people dude at least some people got the game i i got i I did the 3DS pledge. Uh, and look what happened with that. All I got was a, I literally got a t shirt. That's all I got. Uh, and a stupid box, <laughs> a display uh, box. Uh, well, <sighs> screw you, Inafune. <laughs> <laughs> screw you. Screw you with, uh, I don't know, what, what, what's a good Mega Man weapon to screw him with? I don't know. Um, was there a screw man? I don't know. There was a drill man. I know that. Yeah, yeah no, there I'll, were like I'll, the I'll drill, drill bombs. There were the yeah, there saw blades. Yeah, all of there them. Was the the get, the get all of them. Yeah, <laughs> he deserves yeah. it. But yeah, I don't know. and it's interesting too because you haven't like. Are there still a lot of Kickstarter pitches? that come down the pipe for video games anymore? Or is that just kind of like, are people like so leery of it now? Because yeah. I remember I, I really began to worry about um, Bloodstained. Yeah. And in, in that, light of what happened with Mighty Number no. 9. And I mean, thankfully, like, that, at least if you played it on PS4 or Xbox, like, yeah, that game actually finally came together and was a really, really pleasant take on, you know, the Metroidvania. Yeah, but as it were. That left a nasty taste in my mouth because it wasn't the not only was the game I I pre uh I, I pledged for the Switch version. Of course. But, uh, but um <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it ever since that whole thing with all the graphic issues, the the graphical issues, things like that. But there is that 
add-on game that Entry Creates made. Uh, was it called a Circle of the Moon? Or do I have that right? It was Curse like of that. The moon. Curse of the Moon. That was the eight-bit yeah. remake, or not remake, but like mm-hmm. it's like an eight-bit version that is from the story of Bloodstained, and right. they gave that free to mm-hmm. people who pledged, right? For free. But here's what happened. Uh, <laughs> I got mine, my code, one month later than everyone else. They even sold it to the public early before any of the people that actually pledged money beforehand got a chance to play it. And that totally sucked. I was not happy with that. that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that's just poor customer service. Well, just common sense. People who gave you money in advance and believed in your product, you should definitely take care of them first before you sell it to the public. But they basically uh, had the code sent on the same day as they released it to the public, but then there were a lot of snafus with the codes, especially for Nintendo Switch, where Nintendo has this weird uh, certification process where they had to do it in advance, way in advance, and they didn't do it. So that's why there was a month delay for Switch owners for that game compared to, like, I don't know, PS and uh, Xbox. I think they got theirs around the week, the week of release, but I had to wait a month. And that was terrible. It made me, I had to avoid social media for a month just to avoid spoilers. I even saw you and Optimus talking about it. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, must be nice. Must be nice. (laughs) Hate you. (laughs) You suck. Well, I mean, it's extra shitty that like the Switch version literally runs at half the frame rate. Yep. Of the Xbox and PS4 version, which I think like, it just wound up being like visually too much game for the Switch, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. I mean, uh, what are you going to do? Well, when you do a project like that, th- this is the problem with a lot of Kickstarter or crowdfunding, crowd crowdfunded projects like this. You mm-hmm. got if you're going to uh, ask people to fund you for multiple systems, and one of them is a Switch. You're going to have to plan for the switch. You can't make it like an afterthought (laughs) saying like, oh yeah, we'll, after we get the PS and Xbox versions down, oh yeah, we'll try it out and see if it works. (laughs) No, no, No. because I mean, there's, there's absolutely a glaring discrepancy in power between those things. And I mean, there are some, you know, what are called miracle ports for switch, you know, like doom, doom, Eternal. Yeah, the Witcher. Witcher, you know, there are some games that definitely, like, stretch that hardware in ways that shouldn't be possible and manage to come off, like, a fairly impressive playable version of that thing. But, yeah, you know, uh, if, if, if it's going to end up just on sort of the ass-end, back-burner, like, afterthought sheet, then you probably shouldn't promise it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And in the case of Mighty Number no. Nine, Mighty Number no. Two, that's what they did with the 3DS. That they, they right. made that an afterthought, and then they couldn't even port that to the 3DS. And well, I think it was left me for like 
uh, that game was promised for like six platforms or something. Yeah. 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 It's terrible. <laughs> so just remember Kickstarter and those crowdfunding programs. Mm-hmm. Just because you put money into it, I learned the hard way. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a product back. It nope. even says in the uh, the little uh, fine print. Disclaimer. Yep, yeah. That, yep. hey, whatever they do, that's on them. We don't have yeah. anything to do with it. Kickstarter, whatever. But, yep. but yeah, post-mortem. I really wish I could have put all my money that I put on Mighty Number no. 2 and uh, Bloodstained all into Shovel Knight. Because that, by far... It was the best Kickstarter project ever because yeah. that game is so wonderful. And yeah. those guys at Yacht Club Games deserve it. That game. Play it. If you haven't played it yet, play it. Play it now. Oh, it's yeah. cheap. It's on almost every it's system. It's available on everything now. Yep. Yeah. And they did things the right way. It works perfectly on all systems. 3DS, Vita, you name it. It works. It just works. It, it just goes <laughs> to show that, like, pretty much no matter what you do, if you always underpromise and overdeliver, you will make people happy. Yeah, that's all yeah. there is to it. Definitely, <laughs> we all got to live by that rule. We do. It's true. Yeah, but yeah, I guess we gotta send hopes and prayers to Twitter. To those future Kickstarter programs. Tots and to, prayers for Twitter. Tots, tots and prayers for Yuji Naka. Free Yuji. Free Yuji. Free Yuji, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of uh, anyone else uh, video game related ending up in jail. The closest <laughs> I can think of is. Uh, do you remember that game Judgment? That's uh, like a spinoff of Yakuza, like a dragon. Yeah, was there something yeah. about one of the actors? Yeah, he did cocaine. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he did cocaine. Mm. His name is Pierre Taki. He was mm. a voice actor for one of the characters, uh, or either that, or he did music. I don't remember. But yeah, mm. he got arrested for cocaine, and drugs are a huge deal in Japan. Yeah. Any any drug, even mar- marijuana, is considered a hard drug. And yep. you pretty much serve the same amount of time, which is a long time. And you're going to lose your job if you do drugs in Japan. Yeah, so gonna, don't ever do gonna, drugs in Japan. They're going to slap you around with the hickory stick. Yep. And yeah, that's the closest I could remember uh, uh, anything related to video game uh, figurehead arrests. Uh, There's no word if Yuji Naka is being imprisoned in like a kind of pressurized metal dome with a big yellow button (laughs) on top. (laughs) Who will save you now? Sonic can just come along and free him. Yes. Um, I like to think he's in jail with a bunch of flicky birds <laughs> and rabbits. And they're just hanging out. Uh, yeah, they're they're like uh, standing on top of his head. It's like you know a Beauty and the Beast uh-huh. moment. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like uh, Snow White trying to clean the house, right? Yes, exactly. Definitely, oh, they're they're trying to tidy up his little uh, cot, you know, prison cot, and whatever's left of his uh, 
you know, whatever's in that room of his. It's so weird. I yeah. definitely did not have uh, Yuji Naka going to prison on my bingo card for 2022. No, never. But or, you know you what? Know, Twitter What's being funny? on the verge of collapse. Hey, but What's Twitter funny? is giving us best last moments. Like, uh, I I think I sent you a a, re, uh, a tweet on uh, somebody's reply on Yuji Naka's arrest, mm-hmm. <laughs> saying uh, everyone's supersonic trading. Inside trading, <laughs> everyone supersonic trading, uh, and then uh, they made a thread on this on one of the uh, news blurbs about Yuji Naka, and then after someone posted that, uh, more and more people started to post up follow ups to that song, like make up their own course. lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter's a beautiful uh, animal sometimes, but sometimes, yeah, but. <sighs> it's gonna be missed. <laughs> all right, shame. Well, damn shame. I think we worked our way through all of our our uh, little morsels in this episode's grab bag of things and, and uh, hidden frustrations with Kickstarter, Kickstarter failed projects, <laughs> janky controllers. Yes, you know, gotta let it Just all like, out. Despite that, I, I still think it remains a golden age of gaming, though. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go back to that Street Fighter art exhibit today because Akiman, yeah. uh, he did a live drawing yesterday Ooh. and he will be back today, which nice. was is awesome because I had to work all day yesterday and mm-hmm. I missed it live, his live drawing. But today, yeah, I'm going yeah, right man. now. You so. should get up on that and get in some more matches and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, see, see what it do. I'll definitely be posting on uh, my account. If you want to take a look, I'm on Instagram and hopefully if Twitter's still around on game agent ET James, where can they reach you? You can find me at super Mario Kart on Instagram or at six B samurai on Twitter. And of course, we also have the proper uh, Oh God It Hurts accounts. That's Oh God It HZ on both Instagram and, and Twitter. Yep. And of course, we are part of this glorious network called Ruminations Radio Network. We mm-hmm. have a very wide variety of hosts and interests mm-hmm. that you might be very, very keen on. So please check out ruminationsradionetwork.com and please do help out uh, support us. Uh, support the network on Patreon. Our our good buddy Mitch. Yeah, he runs the network. He he's a beautiful human being. Indeed. Please help him out because this is not something that's free, man. He's putting all his resources to keep this ship afloat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every little bit helps him, man. So please do help out if you can. Absolutely. But yeah. That's our show for today. Thank you for coming. Hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.